Welcome to the Gut Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer in Consulting and Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK. And in my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, we're discussing the May 2016 Editor's Choice Manuscript entitled Live Birth and Adverse Birth Outcomes in Women with Ulcerative Colitis and Crohn's Disease Receiving Assisted Reproduction, a 20-year nationwide cohort study. This is presented by Dr. Sonia Friedman from the Harvard Medical School and Brigham and Women's Hospital based in Boston in the USA. And it was conducted along with collaborators from the University of Southern Denmark, Dents, Denmark. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Friedman. Welcome to the podcast. So there's an increasing instance of inflammatory bowel disease, both ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease globally, and the peak age at onset is within young adulthood, so it does follow that a proportion of our IBD patients will pursue starting a family. An embedded issue to this is fertility, but there's also specific considerations we need to think about around IBD and pregnancy, um, and that includes disease activity and management of this at conception and throughout pregnancy, along with the patient's fears, mainly around the safety of immunosuppressive drugs on the baby. So just to start off, let's first consider the data that's currently available around this topic. So do women with IBD have an increased rate of infertility? And if so, what are the contributing factors to this? Women with IBD probably do have an increased rate of infertility, but it's really difficult to measure because to measure the actual fertility rate of women with IBD, you actually have to take all women with IBD between the ages of, say, 15 and 45, and you have to follow them off birth control and compare the rate of pregnancies of their pregnancies to those in the general population. And that study has not been done. And you have to look at the endpoints. It can't be just live births. We have no data on early pregnancy loss, you know, for example, abortion, miscarriage, ectopics, molar pregnancies. You know, in terms of infertility, we do know that patients who've had surgery, especially the ilioanal J-pouch surgery and permanent ileostomies, you know, women who've had anal rectal resections do have reduced fertility because they have scarring and adhesions of the fallopian tubes. And we also know that women with Crohn's disease have decreased ovarian reserve. So your paper focuses on the efficacy of assisted reproduction technology in IBD. So what technologies are included in your analysis? So we included in vitro fertilization, or IVF, intracytoplasmic sperm injection, or ICSI, I-C-S-I, or frozen embryo replacement, or FER, F-E-R. So you examined the efficacy of these technologies in a large number of women over a 20-year period. So tell us about the study population and how the data was collected. So Denmark is wonderful because it keeps really accurate uh, information on all patients, accurate medical information. So we actually used the Danish health registries to obtain our data, and we looked in different databases. We obtained data on ART, or assisted reproductive technology treatments. There's actually a Danish ART registry that we obtained that data from. We obtained data on live births from the Danish uh, Medical Birth Registry. We obtained data on UC and Crohn's and comorbid diseases and surgical procedures performed on women with IBD from the Danish National Patient Registry. And we actually obtained data on death and immigration from the Central Personal Registration System. And to collect all this data, we had to submit a request to the Staten Serum Institute, which is a huge data repository in Denmark. So what were the primary and secondary outcomes of your study? So we looked at a we looked at outcomes per ART treatment cycle and the primary outcome of our study was live birth 
per ART treatment cycle, and we compared women with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis to women without inflammatory bowel disease who also were undergoing ART. The secondary outcomes were actually adverse birth outcomes per child. We looked at preterm birth, that's birth at less than 37 weeks. We looked at low birth weight at term and congenital abnormalities. So next, tell us how you accounted for potential confounding factors. So I think the fact that we adjusted for confounders is one of the strengths of our studies. Uh, we did several models. We did a crude model, and then we adjusted for, in the first model, the Charleston comorbidity index. So we looked at comorbidities in our patient. We looked at woman's age, the calendar year of infertility treatment, because the treatments occurred over a 20-year period of time, and there definitely could be differences in technique. We looked at the type of treatment, again, the IVF, ICSI, or FAIR, and we looked at the cause of infertility, whether it was female factor or male factor or idiopathic or mixed. And then we had actually an extended model where we actually additionally adjusted for lifestyle factors. We looked at BMI, partner's age, alcohol, and smoking. And overall, what do you think were the, um, the strengths and weaknesses of your study methodology? So the weaknesses were that we couldn't adjust for disease, act disease activity because we didn't do individual chart review because we had so much data. Um, although we do know that ART is typically performed when patients are in remission. And we could not adjust for medication use either, although in several studies, if you look at anti-TNF medications, specifically Humira or Adalimumab, they're actually used to improve ART outcomes. And I think the strengths were that the diagnosis of UC and Crohn's in the Danish health registries, they were very accurate. So we were able to capture very accurate data on the mom and the child. And another strength, as I alluded to before, is that we were able to adjust for multiple confounders. So moving on to the results next, what were the main characteristics of women with and without IBD who received the assisted reproduction technologies? So I'll just go through a little bit of data here. So the mean age for women with ulcerative colitis was 33, and Crohn's disease was 32, and the cause of infertility was actually female factor in 47% of women with Crohn's, in 35% of women with UC, and 30% of women without IBD. About half of the women in all the groups had received IVF as opposed to ICSI and FAIR. And the majority of women had a normal BMI, were non-smokers and had no comorbidities. And the duration of disease for ulcerative colitis was about eight years and Crohn's disease about nine years. In terms of the surgeries, 35% of women with UC had had surgery prior to ART and 60% of Crohn's women had had surgery prior to ART. What did the analysis reveal about the primary outcome of live children born to each cohort? So our primary outcome was for women with UC that they had a significantly decreased chance of having a live-born child per transfer cycle, and that was in all analyses, in the crude and adjusted analyses. Women with Crohn's also had a significantly decreased chance of having a live-born child per embryo transfer cycle, and that was in the crude analyses, and the analysis adjusted for comorbidities, women's age, calendar year of treatment, type of treatment, and cause of infertility, but the chance was not significantly decreased when we additionally adjusted for lifestyle factors in women with Crohn's. So next, tell us about the impact of surgery for either ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease on the outcome of fertility treatment. So when comparing women with ulcerative colitis who had not had surgery to women with ulcerative colitis who had had surgery prior to ART, there was no difference in the chance of a live birth. 
but these results were very different women with Crohn's. When we looked at women with Crohn's who had not had surgery and compared them to women with Crohn's who had surgery prior to ART, the chance of a live birth was significantly decreased in those women who had had surgery. So the result was really um, kind of striking for women with Crohn's disease who had had surgery. Was there an association between a diagnosis of IBD and adverse birth outcomes? Yes. For women with UC only, there was actually a five-fold increased risk of preterm births, and this was statistically significant. There was no increased risk of low birth weight or congenital abnormalities in women with UC, and if you look at women with Crohn's, there was no increased risk of adverse outcomes in the children. So how do these results compare to data from women with IBD who did not receive assisted fertility treatment? So we actually don't have data on intrauterine insemination in women with IBD. And as we were discussing before, we don't really know the true fertility rates of the whole population of women with IBD. To examine the fertility rates of all women with IBD, you would have to follow women off birth control from menarche to menopause, and that's a huge study, but it's something we really do want to look at in the future. So this study was not intended to explore the contributing factors for the reduced chance of live birth after assisted reproductive technology in association with IBD. However, can you speculate on potential mechanisms? Yeah, that's a really key question. Since ART is typically done in Denmark when patients are in remission, but we still think that decreased efficacy of ART is due to possibly subclinical inflammation that we're not detecting or possibly autoimmunity. We actually did another study that was published as a letter to the editor in gut, and we looked at the chance of a clinical pregnancy. We wanted to see if this, this same group of women actually had a positive HCG after an ART cycle. So we looked at days 14 to 16 and looked at um, the HCG or ultrasound, and we actually found that both women with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis had a significantly decreased chance of a chemical pregnancy, so they had difficulty getting pregnant, but once they were pregnant, they had no trouble carrying the baby to term, so there was actually no decreased chance of a live-born child once women with CD and UC were actually pregnant. So the problem of infertility seems to be a problem of actually getting pregnant, and this may also have to do with actual ART technique. So your data focuses on women with IBD and their fertility, but is there any data available on the impact of IBD diagnosis on male fertility? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's been a few studies that show that men with IBD probably father fewer children, but it's unclear whether it's due to something called voluntary childlessness or men volunteering not to have children because of the IBD or actually decreased fertility. And there are actually no studies that distinguish the cause of decreased fertility, if there is any, in men, you know, whether it's due to IBD medications or increased disease activity. And uh, we've also been looking in a different study about uh, men and sperm quality, and there are actually no studies that examine the effect of IBD activity on sperm quality. There's an older study that found oligospermia in about 46% of men with Crohn's disease, and none of these men were receiving sulfazalazine. Um, sulfazalazine does impair sperm quality, so we advise most men to go off this medication when they're trying to conceive. And again, in this study, there was no measurement of IBD activity. But 
but you might think that inflammation would impair sperm quality and fertility. And if you look at studies examining sperm in men with spondyloarthropathies, there is decreased sperm quality. So I think that those studies in IBD really need to be done. So finally, how do you think this new data will translate into clinical practice? I think that um, if women you know, with UC and Crohn's disease are unable to get pregnant, if they're infertile, the natural way, they may seek to initiate ART treatment more quickly if they are unable to conceive naturally, because uh, we've shown that they really can't expect the same success per embryo transfer as other infertile women in the general population. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank Dr. Sonia Friedman for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.